Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. The history of any sports program is filled with great players who shined in their moment. However, there are a few of those players who left a lasting legacy as transformational figures. For Kansas State football, one of those players is quarterback Michael Bishop. After Coach Bill Snyder took over the program in 1989, the historically downtrodden Wildcats began to improve. When Bishop arrived from Blinn College in 1997, he came as part of an historic junior college recruiting class that would elevate Snyder's program. During the 1997 and 98 seasons, K-State went 22-3 and 15-1 in Big 12 action. At the heart of it all was Bishop, who was a running and throwing whirlwind on the field. Everything about Kansas State football was different after Michael Bishop. Bishop took the unbeaten Wildcats to the cusp of the national title game, but fate was cruel in 1998 when Snyder's Cats squandered a fourth-quarter lead and lost to Texas A&M in overtime of the Big 12 championship game. Bishop's two seasons in Manhattan started a streak of six out of seven seasons with 11 victories for the program. K-State was downtrodden no more, and in big part to Michael Bishop. Bishop was drafted by New England and later signed by Green Bay in the NFL. He went on to play in Canada, in Europe, and in indoor leagues. Mike just wanted to compete. But eventually he turned his attention to serving as a personal coach for budding young quarterbacks in the Houston area. However, the 43-year-old Bishop suffered a minor stroke in January of this year and continues to recover. Michael Bishop remains one of the most electric players in college football history, and he did so running an offense Bill Snyder designed for him, a scheme that turned the quarterback also into a running back. The formation is now known as the Wildcat. Now let's call Michael Bishop the original Wildcat to run the Wildcat formation. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain, you know. Living life. You're down in Houston, right? Yes. What what keeps you busy during the day, or what? I mean, when we're not going through this nonsense, what what are you doing? Um, well, before I, before I had my health scare, you know, I was I was training kids, and I was training them, you know, pretty much seven days a week, you know, having fun, seeing kids with with you know great determination, aspirations of being great. And just you know, being a part of that and seeing them develop, you know, that's that's what's been keeping me busy. 
Man, I forgot about your health scare. How are you feeling? I, I actually feel, I mean, I feel good. Um, you know, I'm still going back and forth to the doctors, uh, still getting checkups, still getting catch scans. But, you know, me personally, I, I feel good. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm healthy. I felt like I was healthy before that even happened. So I quite didn't understand, you know, why it happened. But, you know, we go through, you know, we go through things in life that, you know, make you question a lot of times, but 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 I, I feel great right now, so I, I really can't complain. Yeah, that uh, I had a friend about you know, come to think of it, about your age that also had a stroke, and it's just you talk about random things. You know, I have cancer, but a stroke is just like getting hit by lightning. It's just bizarre. Right, because <laughs> like I said, I had no indication, no idea, and all of a sudden I had a you know, I had a, I had a tremendous headache, and that headache, you know. Within 10, 15 minutes, I was out of it. Scary, scary, scary. All of a sudden, you're the topic of a lot of conversation. It's kind of funny how <laughs> these things cycle through. Um, I recently was asked to do a, a national podcast. They were doing some of the great college football games of all time, and I'll let you guess what K-State game they picked. Um Which one they picked. So I had to recall that 98 Texas A&M Big 12 championship game. It's like... Uh, tell us about the tornado that hit your house. You know, it's one of those things where you, you got to go through everything yeah. that that happened that day. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess I'll bring it up for you. As you look back at that day in St. Louis, uh, what what are your memories and thoughts as we sit here well, today? You know, I tell people all the time, you know, for me, I've I played so much football, um, you know, in high school, little league, especially coming from Texas. You know, so many little league games. So, you know, a handful of middle school games, high school games, being able to play in the state of Texas and being able to go through a whole playoff system and where you can possibly play up to 16 games. So, you know, for me, football, I played a lot of football before I went to Blaine Junior College, before I came to Kansas State. So I was accustomed and I had developed a great habit of winning football games, doing whatever I had to do to win football games, whether it's you know, throwing touchdowns, running touchdowns, you know, running over uh, linebackers, jumping over linebackers, or, you know, being a hype guy. I, I've, I've been a part of all those things. So, for me, and if I can go back go back to 1998 Big 12 Championship game, um, you know, we, we I feel we didn't get beat. I feel we just ran out of time. Um, you know, there's a lot of questionable calls during the course of the game, you know, especially the one where, you know, if we had instant review or a challenge flag, you know, it goes back and, and, and it's clearly – to this day, you know, I have pictures on my phone. I've shared them to some of the Edmund players that I, that I played against coming up in high school. And, you know, it's clearly that his knee was down before he even, you know, he was yard away from getting in the end zone. But, you know, that ref at that time made a decision and he gave him a touchdown and, you know, he had to live with it. But at the same time, um, during the course of that ball game, my personal opinion, it should have never been a ball game. You know, we, we had been doing some great things, you know, those two years I was at K-State. And we were putting up great numbers. We had some great players. We had some great human beings that was around that program. We had a great staff. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, people people have a lot of opinions about that game. But for me, it's just a ball game. It's it's one game where we ran out of time. And even towards the end, you know, I remember, I, I actually watched it the other day. It was on uh on ESPN, and then um, one of my buddies sent it to me on uh, on YouTube. So I, I said, no, I watched it play for play. Um, at the end of the day, there's no way that, you know, they should have been on the field with us. I think as a team and as a 
you know, one unit, we, we kind of put ourselves in a situation, uh, I guess, up 27-13 or 27-14. Um, there's no way we should have got off the, off the gas. You know, normally, um, with our offense, our defense, our special teams, you know, we're, we're trying to score 70 points. There's no doubt in my mind we could have put up 70 points that game. But um, I'm not saying that <clears throat> from the coaching staff we play, we play for a win. But from my standpoint, I mean, we got a foot on their throats. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and push their throat through the turf. That's the way I feel. That's the way that I play the game. So um, I look at it still to the day like, hey, you know what? We just we, we ran out of time, and and I really forgot about the Hill Mary at the end of the game, well, the end of regulation, because uh, we we make the catch, and I think Evan Burnett uh, at that time may have thought he was in the end zone because I seen Justin Swift coming up in the background. With a push, we fall in the end zone ball game. You know, story goes on. You know, will we play for a national title? I really don't know because I believe that, you know, even being 12-1, you take a 9-2 and uh, Florida State team and let them play Tennessee for the national title. So I don't know if we will receive the respect that we deserve. Um, I, I, I really don't think we got the respect because, you know, 12-1, 9-2, uh, Florida State, K-State, who do you pick for to play the national title? If you go by, you know, win-loss, if you go by, you know, history of, of a program, then then they took they took Florida State. But if you go win-loss, you got to take K-State. And that's no doubt in my mind. I've said this to T. Martin. Um, I've said this to Pillars Price. We would have killed Tennessee, and we would have won a national title if we was given the opportunity. Yeah, that was the uh, greatest college football team I've covered. I mean, I – and honestly, I told the guy that I did a podcast with um, that I really hadn't seen a team as dominant as that K-State team until this past college football season when I saw some of those teams that had not just great offenses, but defenses. And, and you know, people talk about this LSU team this year, that this past season, that won a national title. And they had a great offense, but their defense, you could score on them. I mean, they, they, they were a good defense, but people forget that 98 Kansas State team, because we all remember you so fondly and Darnell and, and those offensive pieces. You guys had an incredible freaking defense. Those guys yes. were awesome. I mean, they were the top-ranked yes. defense in the country. And I tell every time I have a conversation with anybody about football, I tell those people, you know what, we we had a great football team, but people don't give our defense and our special teams the amount of credit that they deserve. Because without those two, who knows what happened? You know, without defense, our defense, you know, the Darren Howards, the you know the uh, Damian McIntosh, the the Jeff Kelly, the Mark Simmons, the Travis Oaks that nobody even talks about. You know the the Joe Bob Clemens nobody talks about. The Shar Carter, the Mark Chapman. You know I can I can keep going on and on. Those guys was a group because without those guys going out there holding uh, offenses to three and out and putting the ball in David David Allen's hands. You know when David Allen got the ball in his hand, you know I was thinking touchdown every time. I was fortunate enough that a couple of times he was he was stopped and we got a chance to come on the field as an offensive unit. So, you know, people forget about those. You know, they always look at, you know, oh, you guys had a good quarterback. You guys did this and did that. But but for me, without those guys, we go nowhere. Yeah, they, they were pretty special. It was amazing. That game for me is the perfect example of a really good team letting a lesser opponent hang around. Uh, and and not knocking them out, like you said, you could have scored seventy, but unfortunately, you only had it in the twenties, and you you know just kind of left that door open, and they 
you know, to their credit, they they made enough plays to get get uh, through right. that door and come back and get it into overtime. But I'm with you. I I feel like every K Stater should have a tattoo that says Sir Parker didn't score. Um, because uh, exactly. it, uh, I was standing on the, the goal line, uh, you know, during the final minutes of a regulation game, I can come down to the field from the press box and I had walked down. And the first thing I saw as I strolled, I think I was coming behind the A&M bench. I saw you fumble and I, I looked at the guys with, and I said, I think Michael just fumbled. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was actually standing right at the goal line, the opposite goal line. So I was, but I was looking straight down the goal line across the field. And when he put his arms up for the touchdown, Sir Parker, I'm like, he wasn't even close. What are you talking about? Exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and everyone can stop and say, well, they would have been first down from like the one, one and a half. It was that far away. Uh, but I'm like, with that defense, and, right. you know, I, I, I don't put it up there that they, they weren't going to stop them or block that field goal or whatever they had to do. But that was a that that game has scarred into the memory of so many K-State fans but uh I think that actually overrides that was those two seasons you junior college guys came into Kansas State and changed college football not just changed the K-State program but I'm are you aware of you know the stigma that was around recruiting JUCO guys that you couldn't win at the highest level that it was taking shortcuts that changed after that 97 to 98 seasons because you your remarkable recruiting class proved with Coach Snyder that JUCO guys are are valid. They're 100% legitimate as recruits, and you can go out and play at the highest levels, and now everyone does recruit junior college players. I mean, you guys, uh, in so many ways, Mike, you guys change college football. Right, and what, what, what the rest of the world um, don't, really, don't really know about the whole JUCO situation is you got guys in JUCO that can play – high-level football. For one reason or another, they end up going the JUCO route. But us JUCO guys, we're hungry, we're determined, and you know, we got all the motivation in the world. You know, a lot of schools didn't recruit us. A lot of schools want to change those positions. So we go to we go to a JUCO, and we give our best two years, hoping that we'll get an opportunity to go to Division One school. Now, that group that I came in with, man, I tell you, I go to war with any one of those guys because when we came in, um, this summer, um, we all were, were, was working out together. And the, the guys that had already been at K-State, they had no idea about us. They just knew that it was a group of guys coming from junior college. And but from day one, my my class, my junior college guys, we made a pick. Hey, man, we're here for a reason. And one reason or let's go out and play football and, win, and try to win a national title. Um, me, I just came off to win the two national titles. So I kind of knew what it what it took. I, I knew I knew what it meant to be a part of a championship, and everybody that met me the first time, I I, I want to say got that feeling about me because I was so determined. I was so I mean I, I mean my motivation was through the roof. You know it, it was limitless because you know I had a dream, I had a vision, and once you can get everybody else to buy into that, I mean you you, you the number shows, the wind shows. So I think that. The deal that Coach Snyder took and said that I'm going to go recruit these guys. You know, most of us had, had played for two years. Yeah, we had guys on K State team when we came in that that had been there for three years and hadn't played yet. So I can understand the magnitude of you know some players may may not like you because you come in and you and you play right off the bat. But at that time, you know, I felt like it was a great decision 
um, looking back for Coach Knight to go out and recruit those the guys that he recruited. Because number one, we came in with attitudes. We came in with attitudes that you know we had our backs against the wall. This is it's either now or never. You know that's that's the type of attitude we play with. Yeah, it was a remarkable group of players, and it took you a while to settle in. But I want to go back to the very first when you arrived and you found out Coach Snyder was going to kind of alter the offense to be the style uh, that you ended up running for those two seasons, and he kept you know in place for quite a while. Because before you arrived, he was really running elements of a spread before people called it a spread. And he incorporated that spread then with – a lot more quarterback run principles designed around your specific skill set. So when we're talking about changing college football and football, the Wildcat formation should be the Michael Bishop formation. I mean, that's what it was. It was, you know, an ability of a quarterback to function as a running back, but you weren't just a running back. You could throw the ball, and it really did alter college football. Well, the thing about it is, and, and to be truthful, <laughs> man, I, I I never really ran the ball like that until I came to K State. In high school, you know, we had we we had great running backs. You know, I turn around, hand the ball off, or roll out of three step, drop pass, or drop, get the ball out of my hand. Uh, in JUCO, we had you know both my years that we had running backs both go over a thousand yards rushing. So I really wasn't. Um, I didn't consider myself a, a great runner. Um, even when I came to K State, and you know, I. I the first time I seen K State play and I seen the offense was Brian Kavanaugh versus BYU Cotton Bowl. So I seen what they were doing, um, and, and then at that time I was like, you know, I, I can run this offense. That's, that's not an issue with that. But to to see Coach Snyder and to for him to see the vision and the ability that I had, because you know, if you ask me, you know, like I said before, then you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't running that ball like that, but when he gave me the opportunity, and then I knew that I had ten other guys that were depending on me to run it. When the, when the running play was called, a TV draw was called, then I ran it to the best of my ability, not knowing it would become what it became. But I'm glad that I was there for that moment. I'm glad I lived in that moment. Yeah, it was incredible to watch. You were such a natural runner. That that's incredible to me that that you didn't realize that you were that legitimate of a runner watching some of those video highlights. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, even my, my high school coaches, the, after the first season at, at K-State when I came back home, they was like, where did that come from? Because you never ran like that. <laughs> we didn't know you could run like that. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to do what I got to do to help my team win. Um, you know, if, if I got to run it 25 times, then I understood the accountability to run it with everything I have for 25 times a game. Yeah, our my friend John Kurtz from uh, K-Man just put together a highlight package of you, and, and I mean that's just incredible to watch you run, Mike. It was it was awfully fun, and it was really special. I remember being in Northern Illinois the first game, and you, know, you broke a long run down the sideline, and everyone in the press box went, "Well, that's something you don't see every day from a college football quarterback," because it just wasn't. You were either you either were a throwing quarterback that stood in the pocket, or you were a Tommy Frazier option kind of shifty guy who couldn't throw the ball but was a pretty good runner and you brought both to the table and it's just awfully fun to watch and i'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt with this but it was an honor to watch you play football it really was it was just it was like art it was incredible well i, I definitely appreciate that man um because i you know i had a you know plenty of conversation with my mother and um you know i always tell i used to always tell my mom i was like mom this is uh this is something totally different. You know, this 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 is not what I, I expected. I didn't expect to 
you know, be doing the things that I'm doing because, you know, where I come from, you know, you, you make it out of there and you go, you go play football, you just go play football. And all the guys that came before me, they went and played one or two years and it was back home. So I was, I was doing something different for not only the city of Willis, uh, but for every athlete that came from around my area, that they had a chance to see me play on Saturdays and they had a chance to see me do it well. Um, it, it was it was scary at the same time because, you know, I did things that that I didn't think I could do. I knew I had a vision, I knew I had a dream, but when we put everything together at K State, man, it was it was, it was reality and it hit me right in the face because I, I I remember telling my mom, I was a mom, it can't. This is Division One football. It can't be this easy. Why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> so easy. And at that time, I was like, man. This, 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 it has to be. It has to be a bigger challenge. It has to be a bigger challenge. And you know, later on, I found out in life that you know sometimes you go through things and it's your season, and you got to thrive in your season. And I was thriving in my season and feeling great about it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an amazing time at Kansas State football, and to watch the build up from Coach Snyder taking over in '89, just an, an atrocious football program with no history, and see what it became. Uh, with you guys, and then continued afterwards. And, you know, it was really the, the launching point of a great era of Kansas State football. Uh, but you went on then to the NFL. It didn't really work out. Mike, I feel like you were just ahead of your game. I feel like if you were going into the league right now uh, with the, how the the NFL plays offense right now, you would have a chance. If you were the 20-something old Michael Bishop going in right now, you would have a chance to play. But I feel like you were just – the wrong kind of quarterback for the early 2000s in the NFL. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I know um, coming out and going to New England, I remember uh, Charlie Weiss. I have so much respect for Charlie Weiss because Charlie Weiss was the first guy to ever you know, put me in the game. And Charlie Weiss told me, he told me, say, Mr. Bishop, you have done nothing wrong. He said, his, his exact words to me were, you just got too much talent. No one knows what to do with you. And I didn't know how to take that at first. I was like, what do you mean? I'm too much talent. No one knows what to do. He was like, you did nothing wrong. You just, he said, right now, we don't we don't know what to do with you. And at that time, I was saying, well, hey, let me go to another team that can find something to do with me. Because I trusted and I believed in what I brought to the table. And, um, you know, a lot of people always say, you know, this was before his time. But me, you know, I, I'm, I'm – you know, I have great faith, and I know that you know God does things uh, for His for, for reasons. And I understand I was born at the right time; I was in the right place at the right time. I've been so blessed away from football um, in my life that I can understand that. But if I, if I if I would just sit back and be selfish about it, and I'd be like, well, you know, why why did you why why did I come into this world around this time? Why did I you know why didn't I be able to do this? Why did I do be able to do that? Because now I look at it now. Fast forward, there's so many. There's so many. There's not a lot of teams, but there's enough teams that love what I did back then, and they're giving young athletes opportunities. Now, what what those athletes do with those opportunities is up to them. But I would love to be in a situation that Michael Vick was. Yeah, I would love to be in a situation that you know Lamar Jackson is. I would love to be in a situation that Dak Prescott is in right now. Russell Wilson, you know, the list can go on and on. But, you know, I didn't get that opportunity. 
But I know that, you know, along the path in some of those great athletes' lives right now, I know that, you know, at some point they seen the clip of me and, and you know, had questions about, you know, who is this guy, what, you know, I never heard of this guy. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm just so proud of what I was able to accomplish. And I know, you know, it all went, you know, came from above. And I was blessed to be around some great athletes, uh, some great teammates. And, and and a great culture staff. So I take I take everything that I've been through and I I learn from it. Um, but today's game, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I I can be a number one pick in the draft. You know, with, with the style of play that a lot of these guys are doing now. Yeah, it's uh, incredible how the game of the professional game is evolving to look like a college game. Uh, it's kind of long overdue in my book. Everyone was running these cookie cutter offenses that all look the same, and now they take advantage of guys like Lamar Jackson, who did win the Heisman Trophy, playing the same kind of football you played 20 years prior. It's it's really remarkable to think about how far ahead of the game you were. Uh, going back to recruiting, though, I, I'm just astonished, and a lot of younger fans may not know this, but everyone wanted to change your position. They didn't want you to be a quarterback, except for Bill Snyder said, hell yeah, you're a quarterback. Uh, right. I just find that astonishing. And that, that kind of proves what Charlie Weiss was saying to you at the NFL level, even at the college level. Coaches didn't know what to do with you because of your incredible athletic abilities. But Bill Snyder looked at you and saw a quarterback. In in hindsight, how much did Bill Snyder change Michael Bishop's life? Well, I'll, I'll take a step before that. Um, when, I was in, <laughs> when I was in high school, I played on varsity in my freshman year. They brought me up uh, from eighth grade. My ninth grade year, they they I was I, I was totally expecting to stay with my class because my class we had some great guys on the football team and we were undefeated. So when the coach came to me and he said, "Hey, we're going to put you on board. So you're going to be the backup quarterback," I was like, "No, no, no, because y'all y'all never going to let me play. I want to stay on freshman team. I want to play every game." So they put me on varsity anyway. The first game, I didn't touch the field. I was, and and I, me and my dad went to the coach, and I was like, hey, man, I want to go back down to freshman so I can play on Thursdays and have fun. This is not fun. So this when it comes in where oh, they put me a receiver. I thrive at receiver. I play safety. I play defensive man. I play linebacker. And I was all over the field. I was making plays. So – when schools see me, they went back to my freshman, sophomore year, and they seen me, you know, catching a slant, taking it to the hospital touchdown, or, you know, giving a key block, or coming down, filling, filling a gap, hitting the running back on on a fourth and one, and stopping them. They they seen all of that, so they wanted to use me in that aspect. But lo and behold, here comes Coach Snyder, who recognizes from a high school film, from my JUCO days, that I could play quarterback. That was my dream was to be a quarterback. And, you know, all these other schools were telling me, you know, receiver, DB, receiver, DB, running back. And when when I got the first the first meeting I had with Coach Snyder and Coach Mo Lattimore, you know, that was the first thing he said to me, we believe that you're a quarterback. We're going to get an opportunity to play quarterback. That's all I wanted was one opportunity. And that opportunity came – through Coach Snyder, Coach Lattimore, and Kansas State University. So it was a no-brainer for me. I'm going to play quarterback. I believe in what they're telling me. Because in recruiting, recruiting is like, they, you know, you're going to get a lot of lies. You're going to get a lot of feel-good stories. You're going to get a lot of dreams. And whether you buy that dream is up to you. But I can truly, you know, say that it felt genuine. It felt real. It felt honest. 
And that was my decision that I made to go to Kent State. I'm going here because, and I look Coach Lighter, Coach Lighter, when I was like, you guys telling me that you're going to let me play QB. I love playing QB, so I'm taking this to heart. So if you tell me I'm trusting in you, let's go to work. And, you know, I made a decision to go to K-State. Now, I had a lot of people, especially in the state of Texas, like, you want to Kansas? They don't even play football in Kansas. And I was like, well, just pay attention. Just watch. Just pay attention. Just watch. That's all I can ask. And then, you know, from, from those people, you know, after that first year at Fiesta Bowl, you know, they had a different aspect of, oh, that is K-State. Oh, that's where Mike went? You know, so I've I seen some people who who knew football but didn't know K-State, who in the end loved K-State. You put the brand on the national stage or played a part in putting the brand on the national stage. It it was uh, a remarkable two seasons. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A couple things in doing research about you. I'd forgotten you played a season of baseball at Independence Community College. You were a damn good baseball player, too, weren't you? Oh, man, I'll tell you, that's the craziest thing about it. I love baseball more than I love football at the time, you know. Played catcher, played third base. Uh, my high school senior year, I was in Baton Rouge, four eighteen. So you know, I, I was I was an all around athlete. Um, you know, I got drafted by the Cleveland Indians, uh, twenty seventh round. Um, thought about it. You know, I've even you know during the course of my career playing football for all those years in different leagues. I was always going to bat cages, so I was always swinging swinging the baseball bat. You know, I, I well, in two thousand twelve, I came to uh, when I was in Manhattan for the you know. He said, play against Nebraska, did the corn toss and all that. But I went out to the baseball field, and, and I was hitting home runs left and right. So you know, I, I still could swing the bat. You know, that was my first love. Man, it's, it's amazing to think that if you'd pursued baseball where you'd be. It's just incredible to me with that arm as a catcher. just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, I have a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends always say the same thing. Mike, do you believe or do you think that you, you made the right decision by going to play football? You know, I think you should have played baseball, you know, and I, and I was like, you know, like, the the thing about it is, is I was grateful to have an opportunity to do both, 
And and I had to make a decision which one I wanted to do. You know, I chose chose football. But on the flip side, you know, I may still be playing baseball right now if I did it. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Uh, you just don't know. The other piece of uh, trivia I came across with you that your first cousin's to Jamie Foxx. I had totally forgotten that. That is that just is so weird to me. It, are are you ever in touch with him? Well, see, here's the thing about it. Like, you know, a lot of people find it out, and you know, I laugh about it because I know him as as, as Eric Bishop. Eric Bishop, you know. Yeah. And, and and the thing about the whole Jamie Foxx thing, you know, it came about when he was trying to break into you know the company, you know. You go with Jamie. Jamie can be male or female, so people didn't know what they was getting when they brought him on for a show. So, you know, that, that's his story. But he, he was he, he was an okay football player. So he did he did some things in high school, but you know, you know, he did the best thing for him is is comedy and acting right now. So, you know, you still just got to be proud of him. And uh, you know, there, there's other cousins that I that, that I've I've had that you know have made a major impact on life. Some of them are acting, some of them singing. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 a small world, and, and and you never know who knows who or who's related to who until you know people start talking about it. You know, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible, Mike. It made me feel old when I realized you were over forty. And you know, I I don't have my own kids, and I'm like, hold on, Michael Bishop's over forty. How the hell did I get this old? It's just absolutely <laughs> incredible. But. Uh, uh, those memories are that fresh for K State fans that were around, or or all of us in the media who covered those games just jump out. Still, is there one game in particular that uh, from your time at K State that kind of sticks with you? Well, I, I've said this before. Um, I didn't I didn't really know the magnitude of the Nebraska K State yeah. rivalry. Um, well, I say rivalry, but you know, K K State has you know came on the short end of the stick uh, a lot of times. So I remember my first year there, you know, <laughs> over the summer, we had come tonight and watched a film. And, uh, you know, we, we, we watched film on, on the teams we, you know, first game of the season, Northern Illinois, you know, Indiana, uh, Indiana State, uh, Bowling Green. We was watching those films. But every single time, I did not leave his office without watching a Nebraska film. And I was like, Coach, we don't, we don't even play these guys till later on. So, you know, what? I would keep watching this film. So at that point, I knew how much it meant to him to to beat Nebraska. So that that week going up to that, I mean, before the game, it's a crazy story, you know. <laughs> before the game, yeah, I had I had about uh, sixty sixty family members that that you know came to Manhattan, came to you know Colorado or. Uh, Missouri, wherever, wherever we went, I, I had I had a lot a lot of fans that came, a lot of family members that came and watched me play. But I remember uh, sitting in coach coach office before the Nebraska game. Um, he actually came down and got me out the locker room, and, and and I'm fully dressed. And he looked me in the eye. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna ask you to do something today." And he said, "I want to know if you're up to do it. You're up for the challenge." I said, "Well, coach, you know, hey, what is it? You know, I'm ready to play. You know, I'm I'm, I'm ready to go." So he says. Uh, this this means a lot to me. And I was like, All right, Coach, I understand. You don't have to say no more. I said, well, what do you need me to do? And he told me, he pulled out his little clipboard, you know, the, the little clipboard he had on sideline, you know, with all the writing on it. And, and it, it, it had 25 rushes, 33 passes. He asked me, could I do that that day? And I looked him straight and I said, Coach, I got you. And at the end of the day, when 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 after the field goal post was torn down and the fans rushed the field, 
Uh, I still had on my uniform when I went back up to his office. My parents uh, was in um, in uh, the media room, and they was waiting for me to come through there. And and uh, it, you know, we had we had our moment, and you know, he cried. I cried. And I said, "Coach, you know, this is this is for you, Coach." And he said, "25 carries, 30, 33 passes." He said, "You did what I asked you to do." And that moment for me took over everything because I was for the first time I realized that. He, that was his dream. That was his vision to beat Nebraska. You know, that that was that was what he wanted to do. He wanted to he wanted that to happen on his watch. And I was just glad that I was able to come in and, and play hard enough and to make enough plays for him to see his vision come true as well. So that Nebraska game, um, not only for me, but I know it's for every fan. You know, every. Uh, Alumni that was part of K State Nation, I think that was that was something big for everybody. And I was just I had to embrace that moment and enjoy that moment and then move on to the next week. But for that for that moment, it was one of the greatest moments in K State history, greatest moment in K in Coach Snyder's career. Um and I was so glad to be in that moment. Yeah, it was incredible. It really was an amazing game because that Nebraska team was Really good. Oh man, they were that's an understatement when you say good. Those, hey, those across the board, you know, that was some of the most uh, most times that I've ever had to go up against. You know, both years, really, both years. Yeah. Uh, first year, they first year they got the best of us, and, and I said to myself, I'm gonna do everything in my power not to let this happen again. You know, Coach Snyder did just remarkable things and ended up winning that uh, 2003 Big 12 title with L. Roberson and Darren Sproles. I'm sure you would you watched that from afar and were just overjoyed for the Kansas State football nation and Coach Snyder in specific when he was able to win a Big 12 title. You know, I, I was I lived in that moment as well. I might not have been on the field, but um, and a lot of people don't know this, but me and L. Roberson, we live. Um, maybe forty-five minutes from each other. Um, when I was at K-State, when he was when he was still in high school, um, when he came to uh, watch K-State play, um, we played at, at Baylor, and he was at the game. And a lot of people didn't know, but we 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 already knew each other. And I was one of the main reasons why you know he he decided to come to K-State because I sat down and I told him back home, if he tell you he's gonna give you a shot, he's gonna give you a shot. I can't say what. University of Texas, A&M, SMU, North Texas. I can't say what they're going to do. But for me, I can tell you that he looked me in the eye and told me he's going to give me a shot. So if he tells you he's going to get a shot, you got to go with it. And that's why L. Robinson came to K-State. You know, the recruitment and all that is it's fine and dandy, but L. trusted what I told him. And and I gave him my word. I was like, hey, if you come here, you're going to get to play and you're going you're gonna to have fun. I said, you're going to win games. So when they was on that stage, and, and, and I have a picture of L holding the Big 12 championship trophy up, and when I look at it, I smile because he did something that a lot of us QBs that came through K-State didn't do. He got a chance to hold a Big 12 championship trophy up at the end of the ball game. Played against a great team in Oklahoma. Did some great things. Had a lot of great players around him at that time. So he accomplished something that he has and he can hold himself for the rest of his life. His kids can live live through that. So I'm very proud of you know what he accomplished on the football field. Yeah, it was it was remarkable um, to see the program reach that height and you know go to the cusp of playing for a national title in your senior year and then his senior year win a Big Twelve 
championship. Um, just incredible. And then eventually coach retires, immediately regrets it, and comes back three years later and starts rebuilding K-State again, Mike, but doing it a different way, doing it with more of a traditional I formation, fullback, pound to pound, pound. So he's already done the spread offense passing thing with Chad May, came back with the quarterback run game with you and L and, and others, and then comes back in 2009 and starts just running the ball at people and worrying about time of possession and just really clamping down on the fundamentals of the game. Uh, is it just amazing how Bill Snyder won football games, a lot of football games, playing different styles of football as he went? Well, I'll say it like this. I know when he stepped away from the game, uh, there's nobody in this earth, uh, on this earth, that can say that he wasn't game planning. He wasn't doing things that, that he knew was going to come back. He, he he was always being a student of the game, if that makes sense. He was always coaching and not being on the sideline. He was always watching film and not doing a game plan uh, at the same time. So, when he decided to come back, I said to myself, "Well, I know he got he has some underneath his sleeve, and to see the offense that they that they ran, and to, to see the things that was different from what we did. When I first seen it, I was like, he's been planning this the whole time. When people thought he was just gonna ride out into retirement, play a little golf, you know, drink a little scotch, whatever he may drink, people thought he was really gonna do that. I knew that that hey, that's not concerning. Whenever the opportunity presents, he's going back." And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that he wouldn't go anywhere else but K-State. You know, that's his home. He, he, he helped build that. So when he came back and recruited the players that he recruited, ran the offense, got the kids to buy into the system, um, you know, once the program buys into the system, they're going to run through a brick wall for you. So that was never a doubt in my, in my mind that he was going to get it back to where it needed to be, and he did that. But it all goes back to his worth ethic. He's a great worth ethic. He's a uh, tremendous coach. He's a, you know, he's a determined, I mean, I won't say young man. He's a determined young man, and if you have somebody like that with those uh, capabilities and those abilities to lead a program, you got to expect the best. And every player that came to that system, he expected the best out of them on and off the field. You went on to win the 98 Davey O'Brien Award as a top college quarterback in that season and got second to Ricky Williams in at Texas for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Ricky was an incredible football player, no doubt about it. But I think um, K-Staters might be the only one to believe this, but you deserve that Heisman Trophy uh, based on that one season. And... Uh, I, I'm going to pledge this to you right now. If you want me to, Mike, I'll break into Ricky Williams' house and steal that damn thing for you. Um, and, well, I don't, and give think, it to I don't you. think Rick has it. I heard he sold it. Oh, that's right. Well, that just saved yeah. me getting arrested. That's good because I don't know who has it now. <laughs> I know that there's nothing you can do about it, but it still sting a little bit. You deserve well, that. I'll tell you what. Um, I tell you what. It's so funny that you asked that question because yesterday I was talking to one of my one of my great friends and we talked about that. Um, and I basically, this is the way I feel about it. When it comes to Heisman Bowling, I think it's 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 more of can you promote yourself? Will the school promote you? Will they put you in commercials? Will they put you on billboards? Because Ricky had all that. I didn't have any of that at K State. Yeah. All I had was what I did on the field and the K State Nation and you know everybody that that supported me. Now, when it comes down to it, um, 
you know, head to head, you know, everybody knows what, what our defense did to Ricky. Everybody knows the numbers I put up against the University of Texas defense. Now, my hat goes off to him for breaking the record, you know, but that was over, you know, three, four years they played. What I did in one season, you know, and not bragging on myself, but I, I think was was great. Um, I felt like I deserved it. Um, I think if I'd had a little bit more push, if I'd had a little bit more backing, um, you know, if if if, if Coach Snyder would have would have would have promoted, you know, throughout the program, and um, I think I would have had more push. Now, do I think I deserve it? Absolutely. Do I think I had had numbers to get it? Absolutely. Um, I, I've I've visited with Ricky, you know, a lot of times on K State Camry, uh, Austin and play. And I've told him to his face, you know, that trophy should be mine. And, you know, of course, he gives me my props. Um, but I be dead serious every time I see him, I tell him that. I don't know if he think I'm dead serious, but I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm like, you know, this should be my trophy. And, um, and you know, we kind of laugh. And, and, and I told his mom I told his mom last time I seen him in Austin, we took a picture together, and I told her, I was like, I said, how does it feel to know that uh, – I got robbed, and your son got the trophy. And she was like, well, you know, it would have been difficult if both of you guys was at Texas together. And I was like, oh, no, 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 because I would have played receiver. They weren't going to let me play QB. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, that's right. I forgot they said that. But, you know, I, I, I definitely believe that I should have won it. You know, I won the David O'Brien Award. And, and this morning I, I was reading, reading up on the David O'Brien Award. I was actually in the garage, and uh, I was reading the, the – you know, the brochure, and uh, I was looking at the trophy, and it says National Quarterback Award. And when I think of that, I mean, you have to be you have to be something special to win an award because they only give one trophy out a year for that award. And I have that trophy in my house. So I've, I had to do enough to win that award. But then I think about it, and I think deeper into it, and I was like, how could I win a David O'Brien Award? Then I look at the history of uh, of the guys who have won the highest quarterbacks. They've all, most of them have has won the David Ryan Award. Uh, they have been a finalist in the Maxwell and the John Unitas, and so was I. So why was I not deserving of the Heisman? You know, and, that, and that's and those, those are just my opinions, and that's just what I think. But at the same time, I think that I was wrong from it because I, I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Some of the guys that have won the Heisman that's been past quarterbacks can't hold my job. And I understand that. And I know that's a bold statement, but that's what I feel. So I think it's more about who can who can do the most promoting, who can go around and get all these fans who never met a person but vote for them. You know? So it's 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 it's, it's different for me, but I'm still blessed. You know, I, I was blessed to go to be in New York. I was blessed to be at downtown athletic club. I was blessed to meet all these people who have won the Heisman prior to that. So I was, I considered it an honor just to be in a conversation. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I should have been the guy standing there, you know, giving a two minute speech as well. And we both, we both know the, the things that some of these Heisman winners have done after winning the Heisman. It's not so great. There's yeah. one thing about Michael Bishop. You will never see me doing some of the things that these guys have done. After winning the Heisman, if that makes sense. Amen. Yeah, it does. It does. It speaks to your character. You leave K State and you end up playing a lot of years in Canada, playing some arena football. Uh, was it just about playing the game that you just loved playing the game at that point? See, I, I love I love winning. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love winning, you know. So every opportunity I got to play football, you know, it wasn't about where I was playing. It was about might go out and win the game. It was about, you know, might keep doing what you've been doing all your life, which is winning. Um, when I got to the NFL, I, I realized some things about the NFL that Warren Moon had went through that, you know, even Steve McNair, uh, you know, God rest his soul. Um, I go back to Evans, those with the Raiders. You know, I go back to a lot of a lot of great quarterbacks that, they really never got an opportunity. Some some of them did, but the ones who who you think should have got an opportunity never got it. So, you know, when I was able to go into the games in New England, you know, I was I was going in the games. You know, if it was third and one, they wanted me to QB sneak. Of course, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do everything I can to get the get the first down. And you know, it's difficult. It's difficult watching somebody else try on the field if you got the first down and you come back out, never knowing when you're gonna get another shot. That's a difficult part. A football, it's the guessing game. You know, are they gonna give me? A, are they gonna put in ten plays for me to play this game? So I went through all that. So when I was in New England, I left New England to go to Green Bay. I was a little banged up when I was in Green Bay. A lot of people don't know, but I tore my quad, so I was a little banged up. So, um, you know, I really, I really never got to see the true opportunity in the NFL. So I go to arena, and you know, I dominate an arena game. I go to CFL. Part of it when 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 they cut there, um, threw for a lot of you know threw for a lot of yards per game with there. You know the the CFL game was so different, you know, for people that don't know. But I had fun. I was winning games. Um, I think my best year, my best year in Canada, I was twelve and one, twelve and zero as a start at the time. Maybe thirteen, thirteen, and we ended up losing the semifinals. Um, and then win the Great Cup that year. Um, but I I I've played football and I played it like I wanted to play it. I mean, enjoyed it. I just, uh, you know, if I can go back, I just wish I would have been given more of an opportunity at the NFL level because I knew what I can do. I think people were just afraid of my athletic ability, and they didn't, as we, we all know, they didn't have a way to basically say, you know what, Mike, here's what we're going to do. Let's go win these games. You know, yeah. if, if, if Coach Snyder would have left K-State and went to the NFL, you know, I, I, I truly believe he would have brought me along with him, and we would have won games doing the things that we have done. You know, but that, it didn't happen that way. But at the same time, I still I played on, on every level, and I had fun. Yeah, you were fun to watch, man. I hope we can get you back up to Manhattan. I know you've talked to others about maybe joining the coaching staff, helping out recruiting. How passionate about that would you be? I'm 100% passionate about it. I mean, even with, with recruiting, you know, if you take a guy like me who's, you know, done a lot of things on the field for K-State, um, you know, I'm in the Ring of Honor. I'm in the, you know, K-State Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm in the Kansas Hall of Fame. Um, so I feel that if you take a guy like me and you go into these homes, I know a lot of kids in Texas that can play Division One football but don't really get that opportunity so, and I see these guys on a day-to-day basis. These guys see me, and they can they can reach out and touch me. They can understand my story, and they know that I'm gonna be truthful to them. So, I think, and not only K-State, anybody that wants to, you know, give me an opportunity, I would love for it to be K-State. But anybody that wants to give me an opportunity, um, I've been I've done that. You know, these these young kids in this generation, they gotta have somebody they can relate to and they can believe in. And I, and I think I'm that guy. You know. Um, I, the kids I've trained, you know, I mentor them as well, and I, and I 
I give them everything that they ask me for when it comes to, well, Mike, what about this? What about that? Or what about this school? And I, and I do my research for them, and I let them know, this will be a great opportunity for you, but you got to go there and work. So, and I've been doing it all my life. So I, I definitely, you know, I definitely wish that I would get an opportunity to, you know, recruit for a school that I put blood, sweat, and tears into. I won a lot of football games for Right now, at the age I am now, that's that's the ultimate goal, is is to come back for your school that you that you put in a lot of work for it and be able to go and find the next best guy for this situation, for this opportunity, for this university, you know, for these K-State fans. I definitely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, think that I can go get it done. So if, if the opportunity permits, I'll leave in a heartbeat and I'll go there. And I'll and I, and I, I do the best I can like I always did. Uh, man, Mike, it's good catching up with you. It really is. You are treasured by Kansas State fans, young and old, and and we wish you the best in health and and I hope uh, hope everything continues to go well and and that uh, we can bring you back home at some point and see you represent Kansas State again because you and that group of junior college players you were with. Uh, were the linchpins that changed everything at Kansas State, turned the corner and, and got football on the national stage. And I don't know if you know this, but I started my company, Powercat Illustrated, and what then became GoPowerCat.com in 1998. That season wasn't by chance. I knew what that season represented for the, the program and what it could mean for a company. And, and I have literally built a career uh, on starting my company, your senior season of football. So I thank you personally. Oh yes, sir, and, and and you know, same thing to you, man. You do you do a great job with that as well. You know, I, I read I read up on a lot of things, a lot of articles that you put out, and you know, I have nothing but respect for you. You know, some some people you you know I get emails, I get texts from, them and ask about um, you know doing an interview or whatnot. But for you, I'm always open. You know, I don't care what time it is. Thank you. you know, where I'm at in the world, if you say, hey, Mike, let's chat, and yeah, we're going to make it happen. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself, and and uh, hope you're doing well right now. We didn't really talk about this, the weirdness going on, which is kind of the premise of this podcast, but uh, how are you handling all this odd stuff in the world right now? I, I, I look at it like this, you know, um, everybody has to go through obstacles, and it's, it's, it's up to you how you attack those obstacles and how you overcome those obstacles. Um this coronavirus, and you can't you can't see it, you know. So, if it hits you, if you're affected by it, then you know you're in the battle. You're in the battle of your life, you know. You, it's like it's really life and death uh, at the rate that it's going now. It's just, you know, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, like I say, things happen for a reason. So, me, you know, growing up in and growing up in a church, I think now, you know. This is a time to reflect on your faith, a time to reflect on family and understand your purpose and, and live in your purpose. Um, we don't know when this, this world is going to come to an end. You know, we don't know when, when the big man upstairs is coming back for, for us. So, you know, I, I, I look at it and, and I try to I try to be the best Michael I can be every day. Um, when I wake up, I'm thankful that, that I'm able to wake up because there's a lot of us that's not waking up to see the next morning. You know, a lot of us not making it through the day. So every opportunity I get, you know, I know where it comes from. And I thank the big man upstairs. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I pray that every everyone, you know, sickness, uh, health, whatever issues that, that they have, I, I pray that they overcome it. I pray that they're healed. And, uh, you know, just at the end of the day, just regardless of what's going on around us, 
with this virus and, you know, drugs and, and all kind of things that this crazy world throws at us, you have to be the best you can be for yourself before you can help anybody else. And that's what I stand by. Man, that's a good message. It's a great place to stop this conversation, Mike. Thank you very much. Bless you. Bless you for uh, those thoughts. I think we all all need that right now in this strange, strange time of our world. Thanks, Mike. Yes, sir. Thank you. You bet. Talk to you later. Mike sounds great. And after hanging up, I realized I didn't ask him about the 1997 Fiesta Bowl in which he and the Wildcats outshined Syracuse and Donovan McNabb, laying the groundwork for the 1998 season in all of its glory and heartbreak. That's it for another episode of Life of Fitz. It's a shame it took this novel coronavirus to get me to pick up the phone and call Mike. I'm sure glad I did. And as hard as it is to believe, Michael Bishop is nearing the age when he should pay attention to his PSA score so that he's aware of prostate cancer. And as an African-American, he's twice as likely to get prostate cancer than white males. It's another disturbing reality about this cancer. For now, take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.